The following contains adult language, content, and descriptions of actions not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Guru Presario Media presents the Guru Presario Podcast, starring me, Mal Sanchez. The word entrepreneur gets thrown around a lot, but it's defined by very few. Join me as I sit down with those that I've come to know, and through the art of conversation, we can all learn a little something from the nature of our work. Let's start the show. guys welcome back episode 20 of the guru presario podcast here with my co-host matthew duke from the duke law firm and our special guest today adam lampenstein lampenstein uh from the hayden hayden san antonio if you live in san antonio texas you'll know that there's a fine finer new diner in alamo heights central san antonio on broadway right in the corner of hildebrand and broadway actually um called the hayden adam i'm gonna let you introduce yourself Tell us a little about uh, tell us a little about your background and kind of about the Hayden. Yeah, I appreciate it. I originally grew up in Dallas, lived there my whole life. Uh, went to college in Kansas, got a degree in marketing and advertising. Did that for a handful of years in Dallas. I graduated college in two thousand one, right before nine eleven, right before the economy kind of you know was real rough. Uh, worked in advertising for a while, and I just kind of my both my parents had their own businesses. Just kind of want to do my, you know do my own thing. Figure out what that was. And I had traveled to Austin a bunch, you know, had friends in college, and there's, a, a, you know, all the cool restaurants and coffee shops and whatnot. And, and I just, my mother had a catering company out of her house. So I always grew up around food. I was lucky to be able to, you know, travel a lot internationally. And it was always about the food and the culture and, and just hospitality, I think I just really enjoyed. And ended up moving to uh, Austin, went to culinary school just to kind of get a, handle on the food industry and, and the business part of it, which I didn't, other than working at like a bagel shop in high school, had no clue on what, what the heck I wanted to do or how to do it. And uh, enjoyed it. Uh, worked in Austin for a handful of years. My sister uh, went to UT. Her husband, our boyfriend at the time, uh, was in the Army, got stationed in El Paso at Fort Bliss. She moved there. He was going to go to Iraq. So uh, I said, let's, let's, went to go visit her, and it was just kind of an untapped city. I never really, other than on my way to, you know, Disney, driving through El Paso, there's no other really reason you're in El Paso unless you're on the way somewhere else or you know someone in El Paso. Uh, and opened a restaurant there. Had a restaurant for about almost eight years and uh, started off, kind of changed the concept a few times, but ended up doing real well. What was the restaurant there? Uh, it's called Ripe. Ripe. Ripe Eatery, yeah. Nice. What was and the concept behind that one? It was kind of a local, kind of a local cafe. It was a little less on the diner spot, a little more... Little international stuff. We had some Asian and just kind of like your cool like like neighborhood spot, I guess you could say. Uh, kind of middle tier, not super high end, not low end. Kind of what we're trying to do uh, in San Antonio, and just did real well. We had beer and wine. We didn't have, not have a full bar, so I did know next thing I do, I definitely want to have a full bar. And uh, yeah, did well, sold it. Uh, met my wife was is actually from from Juarez, Mexico. So we met when I was in El Paso. She got a job teaching in Alamo High Tier, so we moved to moved to San Antonio, and uh, she teaches uh, fifth grade uh, dual language, and uh, live in the area, live in Terrell Heights. So I wanted to open up a when I came here, I always wanted to open up a neighborhood diner. I got a couple small kids, 
I just wanted, I just was missing that cool neighborhood spot. What was the diner that was there before you guys, or was there a diner in the neighborhood? There wasn't. I mean, other than gyms across the street, right. you know, and you, I think there's a Denny's or an IHOP, you know, down. Uh, there's just, there's nothing, you know, and I'm a, I'm kind of I'm, a, I'm a, obviously a restaurant guy, I like support local, and there's just nothing. It's kind of like a desert. You go down this a little bit further down downtown, and there's the Pearl, and there's all that, you know, there's cool stuff and and uh, local stuff that is really conceptualized well and have done a good job. And other than your Mexican breakfast places, there's just not a heck of a lot. And I kind of wanted somewhere that I could kind of cater to the family, business meetings in the morning, uh, you know, lunches, dinners, weekends, just kind of like your all-purpose spot. And I traveled to L.A. a bunch and Chicago, and there's those places are all over. And there's not as many old-school, like, delis, which we'll get into in a bit, I guess. I kind of explain my love for that, too. But the diners, like, there's still some cool, just kind of like your neighborhood spot. And that's really all a diner is. I mean, it's just kind of like the place where it's just you go whenever you want to meet up with someone. I mean, you, you just, there's, you know, your burger, your salads, your, maybe they got steaks. It kind of depends on where you are. And I think diners started in this country. A lot of them up in the, up in the Northeast were, like, Greek immigrants. Came over here, and they just opened up, like, your neighborhood spot. And they had, like, gyros, and they had stuff that was native to them. And they started kind of assimilating and stuff that was kind of local to your you know, you're in Philly, they've sure got cheesesteaks on the menu, you know, LA, you know, they've got, you know, because the stuff that's the, a lot of the Jewish people obviously live there, so there's a lot of, like, the Jewish delis and delicatessens, which is the same thing, like, in New York, and uh, a diners, kind of, like, whatever part of the country you're in, that they should kind of serve, kind of, what's local to the, to the area, and I wanted to kind of merge, I'm Jewish, I grew up eating, a, you know, a lot of the, the latkes and the matzo ball soups and pastrami's and things like that, that uh, I enjoy, with I'm in San Antonio, so I gotta have you know some of the barbacoa and some of the. I lived in El Paso, obviously, so they want to have some green chili, which is kind of like you know New Mexico, that the West Texas New Mexico kind of area. And um, I don't know, we we got schnitzel on the menu. I mean, it's kind of your German South Texas thing going on, uh, and pastrami's not too far off from from uh, you know smoked brisket. I mean, it, it essentially is a smoked brisket, just brined and steamed, and a few other little you know techniques along the way, and. Uh, love it. I mean, it's been a, you know, it's trying to explain a different concept to people. You know, it's a different, there's nothing like it exactly here. Uh, people that are doing, you know, kind of some things, but not, I kind of wanted to have a smaller menu and a little more artisanal touch to, to stuff. Take it, take, like, we say thoughtful, not overthought. Right. Like everything is, you know, really thoughtful in what we do, but it's like, if you want a club sandwich, you want a burger, you want a pastrami sandwich, like, let's not deconstruct it, you know, serve it on, you know, a super fancy garnish and small portions right. of Texas. People want to want to get full. You want to go to a restaurant. You want to yeah. You, know, you want to leave hungry. So Adam, you have a, you have a very unique place which I love to go to. I love to take clients there. Um, what are the elements or or how how do you kind of explain your branding right? Because it's not just about to me when I go in your restaurant. It's not just about the food right. You get a feeling. Yeah. The lighting. I, Tell me about the elements of yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, I think I think when I designed it, I really wanted to. I mean, there's tons of plants. Which, I, which is like a very organic touch, I think. I mean, you go in and you want to hang out in a place. Like, you, I don't want it to be, you know, super dark and, you know, speakeasy-like or whatnot. I mean, I want you right. go in and it, I want it to be like, a, like, all, like an all-purpose spot. So you come, the, you know, come in for lunch, you come in for dinner. It should be like very welcoming, very inviting, uh, and a place you want to like hang out for a while. Like, I'm not trying to kick you out. I'm not trying to turn your table. You know, it's a big space. Like, right. come enjoy, hang out, you know, bring your laptop, that kind of thing. I, uh, and it's, it's actually a lot of these, like, all-day cafes, which is kind of like this newish kind of concept the last four or five years. 
if you see a lot of it, like in Chicago, New York, and in LA, where the rent is so high, if you're not, you got no income in the morning, like you're paying rent seven days a week, you right. know, like you're there. So if I can find out my cooks come at eight o'clock in the morning anyway, so if I can find a way to get people to come in for coffee and pastries, maybe some light breakfast in the morning and, and let them kind of hang out all day. Uh, it's a great way to like monetize your, your real estate basically. And so I kind of wanted to build it that way where it was, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack in the afternoon when I come for happy hour. Uh, and so I wanted to design it that same way. I wanted to kind of give a throwback to the, there's like the subway tile and I got some, you know, I got the, the boost, you know, designed by this kind of retro uh, designer that does a lot of, uh, you know, uh, plush chairs and the kind of old school look in Chicago and the, the, the boost and the, I want it to look like an old school diner, but a very modern version of it, I think. Right. And uh, yeah, like you don't go to a lot of diners and there's like, it's like tons of plants on the window. I mean, it's like, there's an abundance of, of greenery. Right, which is it's a lot of airy, very airy, right? Too. You kind of get the airy feel for it. Yeah, you have some big windows there. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's a diner thing or just a the Hayden thing, but it's definitely bright in there. Yeah, yeah. I think you want to you know driving up and you, I mean, I kind of always conceptualize an old diner. You're driving up and you see people sitting at booths like through the windows. Right. And uh, that's what I kind of want is I want you driving by like what you know what's going on in there. So I kind of you know drop the lights where you can see them. You know the kind of the round kind of old school, you know globe lights you can see from the street. Like what's you know what's going on here? So. Uh, yeah, kind of walk that fine line between casual, but then I want to like turn the lights down a little bit at night. I want to like you know we got like you know good good wines, you know we got good wines, we got good craft cocktails, and kind of be that you want to take a client after work or for happy hour. I kind of you know let's drop the chicken salad sandwich off the menu and let's you know let's you know have a steak and let's you know have a pork chop and let's have a little bit nicer at night, but still keep it super super chill and super casual. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit because yeah. I think it's a board question. We, I mean, owning a restaurant, you like all traffic, right? But what's your typical client? I mean, you built this restaurant in perspective to what, who's the client that you built it for? I think honestly, and we, we have a mural that, that went up and it, I try to represent really what I want to and, and no, no bullshit aside. Can yeah. I say bullshit on here? Of course, here? man. Okay. <laughs> I said it. Um, I really wanted to, to have a space where, you know, the service worker, the, the bartender, I mean, kind of like your, or your, you know, your blue collar worker. Along with your, you know, your attorneys, your doctors, you know, highbrow, lowbrow, kind of. You want to come and get your a Matthew burger. Dukes. There you go. Yes. Is he in the middle? I don't know. I don't, I don't know him that well. He's I'm going to be in the lowbrow. 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 Low I mean, coming to get a burger and a, a Lone Star. You want to come and get a steak and a, you know, split a bottle of wine if you're on a date or whatnot. Um, that's truly what I wanted. I wanted, and I think where I'm located. I mean, even before I lived in San Antonio, like that strip between Alamo Heights and and uh, downtown, like on Broadway. Where you know people that live in Monta Vista and Almost Park and Terrell Hills and Terrell Heights, and you've also got like, um, what's the the park? Uh, McCracken, Ma Maverick? Is it? No, it's something with M. It's McCracken. No, just down the know. street. I can't remember. Oz, what's that? I mean, there's yeah, there's Breckenridge Park, Breckenridge and then across park? the street, there's you know across the street from you, it's it's like McCracken or something, Oz. I think. Yeah, yeah, the one right next it's, to the gas station. It's mix something. <laughs> I, I don't know the name. McDonald's. Okay. McAllister Park, maybe that's it. Maybe no, it's McAllister's over. McAllister's over. Okay, okay. Yeah. See, I've only been here like five Close. years. So I'm still learning the areas. <laughs> the and you're in the bubble, so I'm in the, yeah. you're just slightly outside yes, the bubble. I, I stay in the bubble, yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but no, I really wanted to, to you know, have that, 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 like, I mean, yeah, I keep going back to it, but it's that diner. It's like, it's just kind of for everybody. And I want everybody to kind of, you know, rub shoulders. I mean, I love it. At lunch, when I have, you know, a group of ladies, you know, eating eating lunch, and then you know, a group of you know, business guys walk in, or business women walk in, and they're you know, recognize their friends, and it's just very communal, and that's really wanted to bring. I'm not from here, just like right. yeah, you know, I mean, the staffs like my family, and the people that I meet, the, I met, 
amazing customers that were like, you know, friends now and, um, you know, their family come in with their, you know, uh, work with, with business partners and they come with their family and their kids on the weekend. It's just all, that's what, what I, that was the goal. And so I think as, you know, as we kind of establish ourselves and, and increase our footprint, I think it's going to just, you know, build from there. You know, it's interesting growing up here, um, basically been here my entire life. We have that concept, but it's, it's the, I'm going to say this, but that's, that's very narrow. It's the taco shop. Like yeah, I, totally. I live out in Timberwood, um, which is way outside the bubble. Basically, you'll think, hey, you're in El Paso again. I have to drive so far to get out. Never heard of Timberwood. You're the first, yeah, that's the first Timberwood Park. Okay, um, Timberwood Park. Okay. And so we've got literally the local um, Mexican restaurant that, you know, when I pull up, they're saying, how's the family, right? I right. Mean, you know, during COVID, it was like, we're going to go get food there because we're going to keep, you know, we're going to make sure. Plus, it's great food. But that's community. You totally, walk in, totally. you know your neighbor and everything else. Not really any of the diner aspect, of yeah. it, right? It's it's because really those kind of places towards Mexican food, Tex-Mex, sure. whatever it is, those are everywhere, right? And so that's kind of where the community is coming back. The diner concept makes sense. And I think in the um, middle, I think the price point of the taco, right? Because tacos are, you know. They're expensive it, now. They're expensive yeah. now. <laughs> Everything's going up. That's, we'll, we'll get Torchy's there. tacos we'll, are we'll like five or six bucks. Yeah. Some of them are eight bucks yeah. a taco. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think it's, it's Stay away from having Torchy's. a... Stay local, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, got, no, I, I got a free coupon, brother. <laughs> I'm use that free coupon. But yeah, no, it is, it's, it's that, you know, it's that, it's that local spot. And I think COVID's opened up a lot of people's eyes, like, the in restaurants, right? And then there's a whole reckoning of restaurant employees and, you know, getting what they deserve to get paid. And, and the price of food has gone up and yeah. it, the consumer's going to have to pay a little bit more for their food. You yeah. know, I mean, we're, we're in a society now where, like, food is cheap. I mean, food has been pretty cheap for a long time. I, I don't know the, the number, but what we spend on food related to the, our income is, like, really low. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of stuff is subsidized. You know, obviously, the farmers and, and things like that. And um, it's it's a hard time right now. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get there about employment. But it's uh, – I really, I'm trying to be very value-driven. I mean, that's what I always am. I'm, I'm a very value person. I mean, I when I go out to eat, I mean, you know, what – the quality is important, but it's also – I don't want to – you know, feel like I get hosed when I walk out. Like, what did I right. just pay for? You know, and, and right. uh, there's a lot that goes into what a restaurant charges for it. But I think trying to be at that price point, it's kind of approachable for everybody. And there's a little something on the on the menu that everybody can afford. You know, you say that um, food is cheap, but eating out is more expensive, a lot more expensive, right? I mean, um, now I'm going to date myself. You and I, I think, are the same age because it sounds like we graduated from college around the same time. But, you know, <laughs> you can go on a date uh, for 25 bucks. Now you can't even go to, you know, you can't even go <laughs> yeah, to Chick-fil-A. Say, you're, you're not talking about current bucks. time date yeah, yeah. for 25 right. bucks, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, but but what I've found is fascinating is that the price point between upper, you know, upper middle end food, scratch that, lower middle end food and upper middle end food is almost the exact same. Like this range is, you know, I, I can go to a, a nice place, I'm sure like the Hayden in your price point. Um, and then I can also get crap food at Chili's, and they're not too far off. Oh yeah, I mean our burgers, you know, thirteen bucks. I'm sure you go to Chili's and the burger is it's twelve, 12 bucks, bucks, right? right? Yeah, right. you gotta you know go to gyms for breakfast, and it's you know omelet and sides are you know nine ish ten dollars. But that's the like fascinating bucks, right? thing. Yeah, right? no, it, totally. it's not too expensive. But the gap, right, between good food and commercialized yeah. food is, is, is not as much it's, as people realize. No, it's so how do they, how do they get away with it? Right? Like, is it just branding or how does it's, Chili's get away with that stealing? You know, probably my parents, because you know, my parents will think, 
um, to go like if I was like, hey, let's go to let's go to the Hayden. Oh, that's that's highbrow. Yeah, you know, but I've paid a dollar more, right? I've paid five percent, yeah. you know, more for the food. Of, oh, well, let's go to Stoneworks. Okay, we'll go to Stoneworks, right? Same price. Yeah. It's just the perception right. of is, a yeah. lower value that they'll go and spend it versus a higher brand, yeah, right? Exactly. Which people will attribute to highbrow. I think that gets that type of mindset. That's my theory, right? Is what happens to them. Yeah. Right. And, and is it funny? People go in and they'll, you know, bitch and complain about prices or something. And then they'll, you know, they'll get three by lights. Right? <laughs> right. And so, like, you know, it's that the food itself is like, you. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> complain about the, f- but then they'll, you know, spend money. So people are funny how they choose to spend, you know, you yeah. go to, like, you know, Applebee's. I mean, this stuff is, it is a little bit cheaper. You go in, you know, people are, you know, spend a ton of alcohol. So you walked out spending way more, but you chose to spend it on the on the booze and the food, which is, you know, there's waste and there's a lot of labor. I mean, there's yeah. just a lot that go into it. And then that's why I also wanted to, to I think, having a full bar, because, like, that's the secret. I mean, I'll unveil the, the you know, and, and pull back the curtains here. But, I mean, right. the secret to making money in restaurants is alcohol. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, like, the you, massive. the margins are significantly better, significantly better. And uh, that's why I think... That was always part of the business plan. I mean, to build a cool bar with a, you know, I, I say the word craft cocktail very lightly because I think that's kind of gone off in a, a different direction than I, I mean, a little, there are places that do it really well. Sure. People, you know, spending $15 for a cocktail, like that's not what I want to charge. That's not yeah, where that's I want to be. It's not where I want to live. There are places that do a great job, but that's like a, you know, maybe your special occasion place or your, you know, weekend place. I want to be able to, I want all my drinks to be, you know, ten-ish, $10 and under. Right. Amen. Um, yeah, right. And customers <laughs> okay. do too. You know, I mean, Amen. we want good drinks. Right. Right. When like I get the old fashioned and it's 20, 25 bucks, and you're going, well, yep, I'm having one. Too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wild. Tell us about the uh, the investment period, right? When you opened it, did you front all this money yourself, bootstrapped it? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot from the sale of my other restaurant. I, I had invested. Uh, I'd borrowed uh, a good amount of money from, uh, from a relative. Uh, yeah, at, at a good, pretty good interest rate. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't work for, you know, a year, year and a half, you know, I'd quit where I was working before to kind of go all in and it took significantly lo- longer. I mean, obviously it wasn't a restaurant before the location right. was actually the original Lou Casey boot store in San Antonio. Now I know where you're at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The corner, corner spot. Yeah. I, was, I, had, I mean, I knew the area I'm thinking. I yeah. Which one? Original Lou Casey. Bubbles, so. That was before yeah. my time here, but yeah, yeah. Uh, people remember it and we still got the original floor and a lot oh, of the, wow, yeah. you know, okay. uh, yeah, they did a really, really good job, but it's been, a, it was a sneaker shop. I think most recently, it was a, like a women's boutique. It's in a um, like a nail salon or a spa, maybe. I mean, it's been all these places I've kind of I kind of seen. You know, when I try to Google, you know, the space over the years, like all the stuff I could kind of like mine online of like what uh-huh. it right. had been listed over the years. Uh, so I had to put in a full kitchen. So you know, is you know, I mean, that's plus thousand dollar yeah, renovation, yeah. yeah. And I you know did it all myself. I mean, it's you know just try to be as smart with my money as I could be. Right. And I opened up in October. Right. And right in the middle of everything, you know, and it's kind of at that point where you got to play, I got to pull the bandaid off and we got to I'd hired a bunch of employees and, you know, right when the election was like coming up, I'm like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, like, right. Very uncertain on everything, on every front, but it's like, I got to, we got to get this going. So it was a rough, you know, few months, but a rough few months for everybody. And I, and I didn't, hadn't been open. So I wasn't like, eligible for the PPP loans or any, right. any of that kind of stuff. Cause I had no history, you know, I was, right. I was opening in the middle of this. And so I've been, I've been fortunate. I mean, I'm at break even right now. And I've I've been there for a few months, and so that's phenomenal. It's been really good. Yeah, I know my my bookkeeper. We looked at my, looked at the first quarter, and she's like, "You're doing way better than I would have thought." <laughs> you know, so 
Uh, it's just a bunch of hard work, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Right. A, lot of, a lot of all of them. What's your, now, um, restaurateurs, got a couple friends, you know, in that book. Is this a concept that you want to, you know, scale across the country, or is this just a, a single project concept, and then there's going to be other concepts that you'll do, or are you going for... You know what I'm saying? Are, are you, yeah. What's your, what's your long-term plan? No, I would love, I mean, as San Antonio grows, I mean, I think, I think, I think this concept, I mean, there needs to be a concept like this downtown. Right. I mean, I think like a diner, you know, you got service There's workers, you got. I mean, the only one I know there? about is, um, goodness, the German place right by. Oh, oh. yeah. Is that the one right on the corner of, um. Where McDonald's is and yes. on the rocks. Yeah. And I know you're talking I'm, about. I'm seeing the sign. Shiloh's. Shiloh's. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has it been like there for that. years or I mean, long time? Older place. Yeah. A real long I think time. It's yeah. Back to the maybe even the early 19. I've never stepped in there. I've seen it. I've just never. Yeah. Stepped phenomenal in. food, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, good. And like, but it's a diner concept. It's right? kind of an old like, yeah, very Germany. German they yeah. make their own root beer. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we had gone in there years ago, and the owner hadn't like changed the prices in like 20 years. I mean, it's like super cheap. Super cheap. Uh, and they need more cool stuff downtown. Yeah. I mean, I, and yeah, I see, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, the reports in business room. I mean, they're like, there's some big investment coming and they're building some, you know, right. they're, they're seeing mean, some cool stuff downtown. Now how, do you, how do you envision branding that? So this is an interesting thing to me. So you like the, the, you know, Jason Dady, who he's got several restaurants. Right. I was going to say there's a few food they, entrepreneurs in they town. They don't brand the portfolio except with their name, right? To yeah. do that. How do you, I mean, how do you think to do that? I, I think I saw, um, well, some Sam's of them do Bar branding. Burger Shop, I think, is going to be moving into La Villita, you know. But but again, I don't know these people, so the only way you can tell me that they're related is, oh, it's the same guy that owns that other one, right, right, right. right. Oh, but that's word of mouth For as sure. opposed to a branding. Have you ever thought about that piece? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think if you stick to a single concept, then obviously it's easy to tie sure, it together, sure, right? Sure. And I think maybe maybe there's there's you know ways to move off of like keep this, but maybe real estate's expensive, right? So in right. restaurants having to outfit an entire kitchen yep. is crazy expensive. Yep. So I think like a smart way to look in the future is that you build a commissary kitchen somewhere. Like it's ghost kitchens almost like a lot of people are building now. Yeah. Right. And so like if we have, so instead of having 3,500 3, square feet, which is what I'm paying for now, you, you can do, you know, do something in 2,000 square feet, 2,500, where it's mo- area you're making money. It's all tables, yeah. right? It's counter, but you, most of your right. real estate is tables. And you maybe open up something downtown in a hotel. Like I think that would be really cool. Yeah. That, you know, like your diner, like, you know, at the bottom of like, like back in the thing, like the forties and fifties, like the cool coffee shop, like the old school coffee yeah. shops right? where they were like in hotels and on the side of the road, you know, like, like not our, you know, current coffee shop, you know, espresso thing, but your, your old, you know, old coffee shop. Uh, and if you have these downtown, it's like, every, you know, you come in and grab a cup of coffee or an omelet or a bagel or whatever, and you don't have to outfit a huge kitchen. Yeah. And right. You can don't you could dedicate it to a cool space. You know, that's one thing I don't I don't understand that San Antonio hasn't built. But you know, I mean, you've been to the East Coast, but you see these little espresso shops where it's literally maybe like four hundred square tiny. Feet, uh-huh. And you just walk in, you order your espresso, and you walk out. But those guys kill it, man, because you're paying five bucks per espresso on this thing. Yeah. It's volume. Well, and then the real estate costs is fractional, right? right? Yeah. So their and margin's it, massive. Mar- and, it's, volume and it's and volume. I think, like, that's in, yeah. in the food business, right? You either you make it on margin, you know? Like, steak restaurants have, like, you know, 50% yeah. right. margin on food, right? Which is really high. You want to be about 30%. But you're selling, you know, bottles of wine, and you're, you know, it's $100, $100 per person, you know, average. Yeah. You ever Your think about conceptualizing something like that? 
I mean, would probably you, not. Would you probably not. That's not. Yeah, it's just not a space. I mean, you know, there's not enough. I mean, the problem with some stuff like that, right? And even the diner approach is like you were saying downtown. You gotta have enough foot traffic. It's volume, and I think right. like your your blue bottles and your your coffee shops that kill it and do a great job of that. Like you know, New York and Chicago is because downtown. It's like it's not like downtown San Antonio. Right. It's like true. I mean, there are you got to make it up in volume. It's four five dollar espresso. And, like, behind the scenes, I mean, you know, milk's gone up and, and coffee costs right. have gone up, right? Yeah. So it's $5 espresso, but they probably cost them, you know, $2, maybe a little more. And you got disposable yeah. costs. Like, yeah. right. you know, from a, from a consumer standpoint, I was, I was the same way. It's like, why is it so expensive? But then you, like, look back at all the mm-hmm. line items on your mm-hmm. P&L, like, that's mm-hmm. going into your cost of stuff. Yep. And like, everything's to-go now. And those to-go containers are crazy expensive. Oh, yeah. Right. You can't find the ones you used to find because now everyone's reopened and doing it, so supply is limited. Then with yeah. COVID, all the factories, less people, yep. less people moving the product, and you know it's like everything has gone up and up and up. And like, you get a to-go container restaurant, and those things are forty, fifty cents. Yeah, right. And that's like they factor in the price of your meal. They're not also factoring in your to-go, and they can get my iced tea to go in a thirty-cent cup. And Cut you start adding all that stuff all that in, that and stuff, like yeah. you know, I can't nickel and dime. You're not going to charge you for that stuff. Right. But it's all part of. At the end of the day, it's all. There's only this much money coming. I got to cut up the pie a lot of different ways, right. kind of a thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think like your everyday spot is a little more nimble in yeah. like times like this. Like you know, the steakhouse is like that's a lot of that's a lot of business money, yep. a lot of you know yep. business expense accounts. And when that goes away, it's rough. I mean, you you go all in on one thing, and yep. I think like a neighborhood spot. You can kind of, you know, I got a little, maybe I have a little less fancy entrees at night, and we kind of go a little more in on our sandwiches, or we right. we, we bump up breakfast a little bit. It's got to be, you got to be always hedging yourself, I think, up against right. like, you know, different, you know, price surges and. Right, what the trends are going. I mean, God, if I own a barbecue restaurant right now, I mean, brisket is up like 30%. Is it I really? I mean, I'm sure if, I don't know if you've eaten barbecue lately, but, you know, everything's always market price or it changes. I mean, yeah. right now it is, it is. I didn't notice. Real I, high. I do my own brisket, I didn't notice I didn't that notice going notice up. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's probably going to start hitting the, uh, you know, retail like in HEBs and whatnot, but at the, yeah. like, we're paying. Yeah, or it's like I had to raise the price on a few so little wait, what's things. Ca- what's causing that shortage of? Yeah, I mean, there's there's been. I think they said uh, I heard some stuff like in China, like they're buying a lot of the meat and stuff here to go over there because they can't they can't import. Like they may put a halting on imports, uh, and so there isn't as much stuff coming in. Right. So they're or, or they weren't exporting, I guess. So there's limits limits in like worldwide supply, mm-hmm. and then there's like a, a German, um, I think, or is it no? Is a Brazilian. One of the largest meat companies had like a had a hack. Someone had taken their oh, thing. Oh yeah, I heard so, about that. You know, there's that, and then there I heard there's uh, the labor shortage in the restaurant in industry. Hourly workers, basically, like there weren't a lot of people in the fabrication. You know, fabricating meats and whatnot, and then right. driver sh- shortage. Right. And just like every step along the way, I feel like everyone's dealing with this this uh, labor market thing. Then it's not it, just Texas. No, it, yeah, it's all over. It's I mean every every industry. I think uh, Matt, what do you know about this labor market thing as we go in there? Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of clients that can't find labor. Um, you know, at least, you know, for a while, um, it was cheaper. or it was, it was a better economic decision for an individual to stay at home collecting unemployment than to go get work. Right. Um, you know, and say what you, not to get political because I, I don't want to, but, you know, by saying that you're going to cut off that economic you know, situation here in Texas by getting rid of it, it forces people to now say, well, I got to go out and work, which is what we need. Because if not, I mean, that spurs inflation. I mean, if we have to suddenly pay, 
15, 20, $30 to entice somebody to get off of a public subsidy that gets passed to the consumer that, that, and right. then that hurts all of us. Right. Right. Um, so it, it's eased up. I've got uh, clients in the trucking industry, construction industry. And I mean, they were, they were having a hard, hard time, you know, and some of them were almost panicking looking at, you know, I've got some guys that do corn harvest, I mean, corn, uh, cotton harvesting and trucking that season's coming up. And if you can't get the labor to do that, there's no cotton. Right. You know, you can drive down to Rockport and uh, you're going to see that snow field and then that snow field is going to stay a snow field as opposed to getting collected. So people just don't realize, right, in the supply chain, when it comes to just natural resources, uh-huh. you know, it, it, what it does to that. It's getting better, though. It really is. They, they, they're telling me it's getting better. They've raised prices. I think that some, you know, not my clients, but some people weren't paying working wages and. Uh, I think this gets them to where they're going to have to pay a working wage by necessity versus yeah, no. demand. Um, but it sounds like it's getting a little bit better. Right. We'll see. You had some you had some experience in this. Yeah, well, I mean, right? no, I mean, I talk to, you know, uh, employees all the time about this. I mean, I have, you know, trying to talk to a, you know, a 21-year-old about, you know, it, you need to be working rather than, you know, getting your, you know, your check and staying at home. Like, eventually, the money's going to run out and right. you're going to do it. But, I mean, it's like, you know, falling on deaf ears. But it, it is. I mean, I think cutting the extra know, Abbott cut, you know, the extra money and he decided to turn it down and, and we're getting a influx of, of applications all of a sudden. So like it is nice. I, in my industry, at least, you know, right, um, right, right. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it, it turning around. But I, I, I always said, I mean, I, you know, I came from from, you know, a marketing advertising background, you know, you, you know, got paid well and benefits and all that stuff. And, and I always said, if I own a business, like I want to take care of people mm-hmm. always. And I don't want to, you know, I shouldn't worry if minimum wages go, goes up, right? Like, I should be paying significantly more than that anyway, right. right, for that. But at the end of the day, I mean, margins in restaurants are, are slim, you know, and, and the consumer is going to have to pay a little bit more for their food. I mean, profit in restaurants, it's like, like it's like in, industry-wise, I mean, obviously chains make more, and there's obviously with different ways, but it's like 7 to 12%. Right. Every dollar that comes in, you're keeping 7 cents. Yeah. You know, twelve cents if you're really lucky. Yeah, the only thing worse than that's the grocery business. Yeah, which is like one two percent, <laughs> like or it's 2%. really right. Yeah, it's like really it's really like 2%. low. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm paying more than I've ever paid before. I mean, I, I'm you know we're paying entry level people what we used to pay senior people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm gonna have to find a way to make it work. And I'm happy to be able to. I want people. I don't want people to have to, you know, get food stamps and work on you know help government help when they have a full time job. Like that's that's embarrassing for me. Like I have this full time. I want to take care of this person. Right. But I also look at, you know, I, I got to make a profit. Like it's a business at the end of the day, too. Correct. So I have to find, a, you know, I got to find ways to, you know, increase prices, but not really like try to cut costs. I mean, it's a, it's a combination of a million, a million different things. And, uh, you know, it is a reckoning and it's, it's opened everyone's eyes, I think, to like how important service industry people are and people in grocery stores. And I mean, all, all those things that people kind of look not down on, but be past. Right. And in the, in the past. And it's uh, it's tough. And now, and I know now there's. There's a lot of other avenues for those hourly people to go. I mean, with all the you know, people driving for Favor and Uber Eats, I mean, there's other avenues for people to you know, have jobs around their schedule. They have, other, they have, I have employees that have, you know, have a couple kids and having a full, you know, having a full-time job and, you know, their kids are out of school, you drive for Uber, you can plan it around your day. Yeah, you can have right. your kids with your, whatever, whatever the deal might be. So there's also competition for those same, those same people. So how do you, sounds like from a culture standpoint, right? I mean, I'm the same way my employees and I've owned a couple different businesses and those sort of things. Same thing. Like I'm it's like family to me. Yeah. Right. For sure. Um, people are either with me a very short time cause it didn't work or I won't, you know, they're with me for a same, very, same. very long exactly. time. Exactly. How do you, um, 
you know, the, it's a sliding scale for business owners, especially for you in such a low margin, you know, right. business that you've got. But from a wages and then benefits, because some people always forget, like health insurance right now is crazy. Yeah. Um, probably for your workforce, it's a little bit easier because of the subsidies and those sort of Correct. things. But how do you look at an overall package in this labor market where I think some people who can afford to reduce margins to pay more, because I think we're going to see even still with the surge, mm-hmm. the labor market becoming more and more expensive to entice people to the type of jobs you need to. H- how do you look at that as a strategy to try to make sure that you can get the right people and keep them? Is it a mixture? Yeah, I think, I think it's a mix. Yeah, no, it's, it's culture for one thing. I mean, I, yeah. you know, like when you open a business, right, what is going to separate this business from the guy down the street, right? That's like the foundation. You should never open a business if you just like you don't have a unique selling proposition, right? Like, what are you doing different and better, or what do you think is missing in the market or whatever, right? right. So I think our culture. I mean, obviously, like I'm, you know, very involved in the business. It is like a family. Um, I think creating a culture and bringing people in and like giving them room for advancement. You know, being clear about what their job is, having the support of people. Like, you know, like you can get paid, you know, more at a you know, hotel or whatever, but you obviously like, you know, there it's people are paying for a reason, right? There's a reason someone's paying more than me. Cause maybe the, you know, the jobs, you know, rougher or right. it sucks or you're just a number or whatever. Right. So like, right. I, I can't compete with some of these, you know, what people like the pro, for example, right. They got this huge company. They got great health insurance. Cause they can, they have a, they can, they have buying power. I do not yeah. have buying power. Right. I and mean, I'm trying to go out and I'm actually actively looking for insurance, health insurance right now. Right. And unless I get 50% of the people on my staff to buy in, I can't get it. And we've had so much turnover with this. I can't even start that process because they, you know, you fill out a form. You got to, like, what are my employees? Like, what is their feedback? And until I can get a stable staff to even right. investigate that. Right. I can't. And then I think a lot of employees will go somewhere with health insurance, but they haven't had it for a long time. I right. think they also understand that it's not just, you go somewhere that has health insurance, they're not just giving you health insurance. Like, they're going to match it, but yeah. you're still going to have to pay for it. That's right. And I've also... You know, and as you start, I mean, our health insurance industry, it's just, it's a whole, and it's obviously not what I specialize in. I, I learn it as I go. And I, but if I offer my staff health insurance and they turn it down, you can't go on the open marketplace and get a government subsidy because you were right. offered it from your job. That's right. So I'm actually penalizing my staff a little bit, right. which I, I'm like blown away. Right. But like, right. I don't want to like, if they can go get it for free or really cheap, yep. I'm screwing them over by offering even they turn it down yep right so it's yep. like i it's it's like do i do it because i want to have health insurance i want to have a good plan but if they can even get a, you know a, a you know a, a not a great plan but it's like a catastrophic you know if something get a car accident or something like that right. i don't want to take that away that if they could get it for really cheap right. and if they don't want to pay for my plan anyway it's just a whole yep. there's so many there's so many moving parts yep. in it you know and um people don't realize and and this is a great example of a lot of legislation and again not being political just legislation in general is um, at a level that usually screws the small business owner. Correct. Because yeah. the, the, you know, the Hayden doesn't make national news about its paying practices. Walmart. Does, right. Right. right? Um, you know, the, the, and legislation is to the headlines and the unintended consequences like this get missed a whole lot. Right. Um, in these, in these, uh, and I see it all the time. Um, just regulations in generals usually miss, you know, a class of people that are critical to our infrastructure. I mean, the the amount of small business owners dwarfs the big companies when right. you look at oh, yeah, what it for does sure. for sole proprietorships to under 50. It is a massive market, but yet they're the ones getting screwed the most. And the people that work for them, not by the small business owners, but by right, legislation, right. are the ones like in this situation 
happen. And it's unfortunate. Um, it's really unfortunate. So if anybody it, like the government is taping this and hears this, maybe somebody could listen and help the small business people. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, these guys are, you know, making hourly wages and like they deserve, you know, I mean, uh, you know, get a whole universal health care kind of a thing, but it's like everyone deserves, yeah, you know, to, to be taken care of, you know, it's like right. you, you, you pay your, your taxes and you, you know, you do the right thing. Like you should, God forbid you get an accident. You should not be in debt for the rest of your life right. or, you know, for those kinds of things, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a hard decision. I mean, how do you tell a, you know, 20 something or 30 something person who's had these, you know, service jobs, like, you know, I need, you need a big chunk of your check for, for health insurance. Right. You know, it's a hard decision. It's like, it's, yeah. it's the right thing you need it, but to like, you know, take, you have kids and you're trying to balance your rent and your, your, you know, food and your kid's table and those kinds of things. It's a hard decision to make. Sure. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the person to tell you, you turned on my health insurance plan. You're wrong. Like that's your decision to right, make. And right. I mean, I'm not playing God. I'm not telling you and what's most right people wrong. don't it's, know how to make that decision. No, and either, they don't, right? they don't. Right. Sure. They, they'll say, well, you know, um, uh, you know, cause some people, I mean, pay a lower wage, right? Right. Working wage, but a lower right, wage. Right. But then give all these benefits. Starbucks. Correct. Right? Right. They don't pay their people a fortune, but, they, man, they give every single exactly. bell and whistle exactly. from that. Exactly. And a certain group understands that, but most don't. They're like, well, what's in my pocket at the end of the day? That's what matters the That's most. Exactly. But then the budgeting and everything else, they don't realize – Hey, you're one illness away from nothing. Exactly, in your exactly. Pocket. And that's to ask a lot of people. Let me um, let me ask you this from a culture standpoint. I'm I'm, I'm a big culture guy. Tell, what's the culture at the Hayden? Very well, positive. How do, very how do positive. You, how do you drive that? Like, I think it's just like constant like reinforcement. I think it's constant like you know, guidance and pray you know praise and and giving people like a voice. Like I think nobody wants to just you know, chop onions and do their one little fact, right. you know, like, you know, factory job, like you're doing this one thing all day long. I right. think it's like, you know, keeping things different. I think, uh, giving people a voice. I think if they have a concern or something like uh, open door policy, I mean, we have almost a, too much of an open door policy. I think I have to keep a psychologist on staff sometimes to deal with, deal with everyone's problems. Everyone's, you know, how we're they're all, feeling. We're today all psychologists for each other. In right. this, uh, I, think, place, I so. think so. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's just, I think it comes from the top. I mean, obviously, I, I said that, right? And so I think, um, you know, being super involved and really, like, not on a, on a, like, a surface level. Like, hey, how are you doing today? Like, no, I really, like, how are your kids? Like, you know, how are you, you know? I, I mean, I gave everybody and I paid everybody to go get a COVID shot if they want to get a COVID shot. Like, I cared about you. You know, it's like whether right. you, on, and I, this is my honest to God thing. Like, we had a, a girl that started and I, you know, paid to train her for two weeks and she, before she even worked and it, you know, cost me, you know, a good amount of money to train people. Right. And then she's like, I have two kids. Like, I just, I really try to make this work. I love, I love the restaurant. I just can't do it. And, and like, and then genuinely like she came to the office and I'm like, I'm not going to make you wait for your check. I'll write you a check. I know you have a kid. I'm going to take care of it. And like, I genuinely like want the best for people, like right. whether it's with me or somewhere else, like you have kids, like I get it. And I think it's just like, like truly not just saying that like as a BS line for somewhere, but it's like, I think caring about people, like yeah. if, people have stuff that happens and there's a lot of people like you can't come in today like last minute like i'm gonna find someone else like i'm i'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt like you're gonna burn me a few times like i'm gonna learn my lesson sure and i've learned my lesson the hard way a long time like sure. you know the nice guy but i mean i think it's just like you know there's it's there's very competitive out there and i think like what can i do differently i think i can like really take care of people and i think i can you know we like try to sit down and you know give people raises and give people evaluations and let them i think Anywhere you work, if you just kind of feel like you're alone or like no one's watching, you know, cares about you or, or, um, uh, you know, you wanted, people want to grow, people yeah. want to grow. And I think everyone wants to feel like they're being paid attention to. 
Right. And I think, you know, I can't compete with the Starbucks's, you know, uh, incentive for college and the, and the uh, insurance and all the things they can do because they're a big corporation. They're able to do that. You know, I can maybe pay a little bit more because I don't have those other expenses. But at some point, it's like if you, you want to jump shit for a dollar more an hour, 50 cents more an hour, like I can't right. stop that. But I can do everything I can to like show you like why I think this is a great place for you to be. And um, I think people pay attention to that more. They do. They do. And there's some people that just don't get it. And it's, you know, I beat my head against the wall sometimes, but it's like, that's, that's them. It's not me. Like right. you try to look internally, like what could I have done something better? Could I have, you know, is there, could I have been more clear or whatever, whatever the case might be. But there are some people that are just, no matter how good it's, we get the, the grass is always greener on the other side, Oh, yeah. and, right. you know, and you can't 80, 20 rule for right? sure. Yeah, exactly. Rule applies just about everything. If you can get 80%, what you're talking about, yeah. you're still gonna have twenty, but that's there's, okay. There's always that twenty. There's always yeah, for sure, for sure. Way. Yeah, um, no, I think, and I mean, I think I had the restaurant out past. I had employees for six, seven, eight years, you know, and it was like truly like I wasn't from there. It was like my family. Yeah, and they saw it, and if they were able to get a job, you know, I didn't have a head position for them at the time, and they found it somewhere else. Like I truly like I want the best for people, whether it's with me or somewhere else. Like if I had an employee that want to open their own business, I'd be like, that's awesome. Like. I had, I always had people that open my, I've always been a very curious person, right? And so like everywhere I work, I'm like, I always want to, I want to learn because I want to have your job in the future or whatever, wherever it might be. So I was like, I always open the books for people or like sit down and like, let's go through the numbers and you need to learn how to price stuff. You need to learn how there's, there's way more moving parts. And that's what I can offer you. You go to a big corporation, like they're not going to sit with the finance department and like go through the the kind of stuff, you know? So that whole segment right there, you should like chop that up, put it out on social media because entrepreneurs, the young entrepreneurs, they don't get that. Yeah. Not, say, I say they don't get that. That was an overgeneralization. 80% of them don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. 20% do. And that is a critical difference um, in this day and age, I think, of success is vision, culture, valuing people, not of what do you do to add value to me and what I'm doing, but how can, how can I add value to you? That's critical. Critical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think right. if an employee would come up and like, I want to make more money, right? How, what do you need me to do? But it's always the opposite, right. right? It's always like, you know, I've done this and, you know, whatever. And, and it's, and I've never been like that. Right. It's like you prove what you can do and you, you know, be that squeaky wheel, right? right. That, that like, damn, I don't want to lose this person. And right. now I'm paying you more because you're yep. hell valuable to me. Yep. Right. But if it's just about you all the time and you're yep. always, you know, if it's like another person to manage, like I want you, your job is to make my life easier, right? And my job when I work for people, it's like my job is to make their job easier. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and, and. I'm off the clock, but man, do you mind if I sit down and just like, you know, show me the, show me QuickBooks or can you explain something to me? Like, I, I love that. Like, I right. like be curious. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these employees are like, they don't want to put in the work to get, they want the executive position or they want this and this, but they're not willing to do like, like give no idea how much money, how to raise, you know, how to do and right. how much, how long I've had to figure this out and how many questions. And, you know, um, like when I moved to San Antonio, I did an MBA at UTSA because I wanted to, like, I didn't have a business background. And I just did it for fun on my own because I wanted to educate myself for that. Right. No one's telling me to do it, but it's like right. in life, it's like if you do what everyone else does and you get where everyone else gets. But if you want to do a little bit more and work a little bit harder, like that's how you're going to advance. Yeah. And I try to teach that in people, you know, and I that's try to great. help people how to manage their money and like all this like little stuff that I you would gather. Usually get. What's your average age of your workforce? Mid 20s. That's what I figured. Yeah. Students. A few, a few students are people that, you know, started college and they're, you know, took time off because they didn't make money and they're going to, you know, go back and, and, and I like, I love that too. It's like, I will work around your schedule. Like I want whatever you want to pursue. If I'm a stop along the way. Right. 
I'm totally cool with that. And if it's something that you want to do, like there's a there's a road for that too. Whatever whatever it may be. Everyone's got a different, you know, life story and challenges yeah. and whatnot, you know. I, so my businesses I've had were the 20-year-olds and everything else and pouring into them. And I'm sure you've experienced this. I mean, I, I talk to these people that don't even work for me. From They just reach out from time to time or I see they're doing things. I got guys that are newscasters and lawyers and everything else. I'm just like, wow. You know, I knew them when they were 20. And yeah, I'm so, right. I'm, you know, this is kind of cool that I knew them when they were so young. So, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that and you will, right, in pouring out into these young, oh, yeah. um, these young people, um, those kind of, because it's, it's, that's not typical of the experience they get in a job. Right? No, it's not. Yeah, it's go sweep that floor if you won't. I'll find somebody else to sweep For sure, floor. for sure. And I think that's, that's, that's kind of like going back to your question of like what, 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 do, what can you offer yeah. other people can't, right, to keep your employees. And I think it's that. I think it's a small business. Yeah. I think whether you want to – you know, you work in a restaurant. A lot of people, you know, like I mean, God, they said half the half the population is like you know the first job was in a restaurant. I think, or, or more than that, maybe. It's I mean, the only place I've never worked is in a restaurant. Really? <laughs> yeah, I worked at Jason's Deli. Actually, I worked at Taco Bana as well. Good for you. I just never did. I worked at a daycare. I, I probably got you on that one. <laughs> yeah, you did get me on that one. Uh, but I never did the restaurant thing. But it but teaches you. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot to learn from. I mean, a lot of lessons. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it, people discount the idea that for the philosophy that you just kind of put out. But I think the biggest thing when you're working somewhere, right, I'll trade shit money any day to get lessons from someone who has had the experience of someone like yourself. If I wanted to be a restauranter or open yeah, a restaurant yeah. in the future, um, you know, you can't discount that experience. Learning, learning those lessons from someone who has experienced those things is, uh, is huge, man. It's a big value added in my opinion. No, I, I agree. And I, we try to, you know, teach people when they're, you know, when they're always, but I'm not doing this yet. Or I'm not doing this. It's like, chill out a little bit. Like, yeah. it's going to get there. Like, you got to do the work. I mean, it's like anything. Like, you right. got to, you got to do the work. It's that instant gratification. Every, yeah. And that's, that's um, really hard to teach somebody. Mindset of uh -huh. that generation. And, and again, but helping somebody, you know, through that, man, that's going to pay huge dividends for yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, there's like, there's in, like internships, right? It's the same kind of idea. Like, you're not, yeah. you know, like, if you find someone that's that's phenomenal to work with, like you maybe you know you should get paid, but you you know you got right. you got to look at the value in that as well. Right. Um, you know, it's not just you know. I get we all got we got we all got bills to pay. Right. But there's right. also like you know like what's your what's your end goal? You know yeah. what's your what's your long term plan? And people have a hard time like sit, sitting back sometimes and just kind of like where do you want to be in five years? You know, T don't look in don't look in five months or five weeks or whatever it is. You know. Right. Um. But it's a it's a hard lesson for people to, to grasp. But you know the, the the smart ones get it. I mean, they, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to go back to when you opened the restaurant in October during COVID. What opportunities existed in that, right? Because I, I I look at I look back at the pandemic and where it positioned a lot of whether it was commercial real estate, whether it was business, um, bringing in you know money. Um, I feel like there was a lot of opportunity in that. Were there opportunities? Were you when you opened? Yeah, I think labor was my biggest. Like I'd already borrowed the money. I'd already built out, mo and I've already spent most of my money. Right. I got a few, like, restaurant pieces, you know, restaurants that had good clothes, or, you know, like, like you know, kind of that. But it's it's honestly, I had found people that, you know, had been let go because COVID had started, and a lot of, like, a lot of bar bartenders mostly. A lot of right. bars were, obviously, they couldn't yeah. even open. Yeah, they were all shut down. They were all shut down. And they were looking to, I had some, some hungry people, you know, didn't want to sit at home and just collect the check. Like they, they wanted to work. They want to be part of a new concept. That's cool too. Right. You know, you want to open up a new business, like being part of something from the ground floor and yeah. seeing how it evolves. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, value in that. 
and we we had a really good staff. I mean, it had kind of a overqualified people, you know, really great craft cocktail bartenders that had, you know, worked at the Esquire and, and, and you know, more than I needed because it's kind of never the idea for the bar. I wanted to be, you know, some craft cocktails and, and you know, I don't want to like, you know, buy juices. I, want, I wanted to do a lot of stuff our own, but I didn't want that high end. It just was, that wasn't kind of like the goal. And uh, got some great, great people. And I think they were still collecting money. So they, I wasn't being forced to open. Mm-hmm. Eventually... And I forgot what the, you know, they could, I don't know what, because I wasn't obviously collecting myself, and I, I'm still, it's very confusing to try to understand, like, the unemployment and why, how some people can get more and right. all that kind of stuff. But they were getting at the beginning, and they could work, you know, so many hours, and they could still collect some, but then right. they, once we finally opened, they had to get off of it, whatever. So I wasn't in a crazy hurry at the beginning, but I could train them right, right. And, and, and get the relationships to go together with them and kind of, like, flesh out the concepts, and I didn't have to, like, hurry to open the, open the doors uh, my landlord had, you know, was cool at the time, you know, like, you know, once you, you, know, once you start opening, you know, I'm gonna start charging rent, but they weren't, they were like giving me time to do it right. And, uh, so I think I was, that was an advantage too. Cause like landlords, I mean, they were getting hurt too and places were closing and I, and I, and I get that problem as well. Uh, but they were more understanding when they were, they, they wanted this to work. I mean, I invested a ton of money in their space and I had a long lease and you know, they, they had my interest at heart. So right. that, that was, that helped. But then I think trying to figure out like how to pivot. Like, are we doing this? Are we doing to go stuff? Or are we gonna we gotta figure out our to go game because no one's eating out. And there was like I had built this whole thing around business people, like breakfast, you know, lunches. You know, people drop the kids off at school and you know meet your friends for lunch or breakfast. Right. And, like none of that was happening. Kids were at home, people were working from home. Like no one was out and about. Right. So it was like it was very scary. But you had a lot of blessings in there. I mean, that, that, that's kind of the interesting. I don't know, I'm a glass yeah. half full versus half empty kind of guy. I mean. If you think about it, the labor market you got at the beginning, if there was no COVID, they wouldn't have been there. Right. Right. You'd have been doing the whole, let me grab somebody. If I'm open, if I was trying to open right now. Yeah. Oh, oh Lord. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, same thing, right? It allows you to pace it out versus, sure. hey, I got debt. I got to pay. I got a landlord. Yeah, I got to exactly, pay. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of advantages that came in there. I didn't even think about that sort of stuff. It's kind of interesting to hear those sides. Yeah. It. No, um, it worked out well. I mean, I think, and, and it, yeah, and I'm going to have, you know, full as well. I think also... I couldn't have been over, you know, people open new businesses, right? You're like, you're overstaffed because I'm going to be super busy or you're right. understaffed and you get killed. I couldn't have gotten killed. I couldn't, I couldn't have more than 50% of people in my, in my space, right? right? right, right. So I could have a really nice, long, soft yeah, opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I could tweak stuff and, and, I, you know, yeah. and, and people a little more forgiving and going on Yelp and on Google, you know, that, you know, this was bad or not. Because people, you, you they're got like, it. I'm out of my house. I'm in, I don't yeah, care I don't, where I'm at. I'm sitting in a restaurant. You're doing dishes for me. And I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Burgers are cooked a little bit. I don't give a shit. I'm just happy to be here, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, we're, we're kind of winding it down here, but I want to know because I, I bring this up. You know, every episode is there's a younger you know, there's a younger audience out there that whether they um, they have dreams of opening a restaurant or they have dreams of starting a business. What advice would you give them, Adam? From I your think, perspective yeah, and experiences, I think you know don't just look at the sexy part of it. I mean, we try to tell guys this all the time, like cooking. You know, you want to be executive chef or you want to open your business. It's like it's got to it's a business. So I think like, like what you know what's your unique selling proposition, right? Like what is your secret sauce? Mm-hmm. You know, I think finding, I mean, you don't open a coffee shop, right? There's a million coffee shops out there. Like, what right. are you going to do different? Uh, is it the area you're going? And if it's the area you're going, I mean, like, I think understanding real estate is really important. You know, I think you can pay cheap rent, which is great, but there's always a flip side, right? Yeah. I mean, you want, I don't mind paying high dollar rent if it's a, you know, 
right. the parole charges their rent. And you can go on the far east side, it's a different rent, right? It's cheaper. Yep. Right, less people too. Yeah, less people too. Right, <laughs> different income bracket. If yep. you're if you're if you're appealing to that income bracket, that's perfect. Right. But if you're yeah. trying to pull pearl people, you know, three miles away, like it's not going to happen, or it's right. going to happen, but not in the numbers you need it to. So I think right. understanding. I think probably you know getting with the, you know, a bookkeeper. You know, I mean, YouTube is amazing. I mean, right. you know, watch some videos on QuickBooks. Watch some videos on Pro Except Forma. For legal is. advice. Don't use YouTube for legal. For advice. legal advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think call, I, call Matt. Right. <laughs> Um, I think like your plug, man. I like, <laughs> I like that. I, like that. I, I haven't looked at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I think being uh, capitalized is really important. I mean, I think you've got to be able to weather the storm. I mean, that people yeah. told me a long time ago. I mean, you always, I mean, in construction, right? You, it's expected to take twice as long and cost, you know, 50% more or, yeah. you know, more, whatever it is. So you need enough money to weather it. Because at the beginning, you might hit it out of the park from day one. But it might take you a while to get there. And, you know, you want to keep your employees. You know, you got... I mean, for example, like servers get tipped, right? Yep. At the beginning of it, I was guaranteeing them pay. Like I was having to, you know, like I want I wanted them to stay on staff. And I realized if no one's coming in, like no one, I, I can't expect them to, you know, yep. work for mi- mi- below minimum wage or minimum wage, right. you know? I got to, I, w- I have to, it's on me to make sure they're taken care of. So I think making sure your staff is taken care of uh, and just make sure you have enough money and just make sure you have a solid business plan. Right, right. Just don't look at the fun part of it. I mean, there's a, the fun will come, but you got to make sure, you know, you make money and that you're in, you know, you're in a, the right market, you know, the right concept and, and do your research, you know, talk to other business owners. That's actually the greatest advice. Like I had some mentors along the way and I think having, finding a mentor in your industry and, you know, take them out to lunch. I mean, that, like that's a che- very cheap way to get some advice, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, and people want to help. I mean, I think like San Antonio, I live in El Paso. I'm like the guy opened once opened a restaurant on the street. Like it's the more cool shit we have. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, it's, that's better for and everybody. Like, I don't look cool at it as like someone's coming in on my yeah. turf, you know, like yeah. the more cool stuff, the better. Yeah. So right. I think like, you know, network, networking is super important. Right. You know, that, that'd be my last piece. I yeah. Think. I think form, forming, formulating a good team and, it, and that team doesn't necessarily have to be a formal team, right? It could be just friends that mm-hmm. have experiences yeah. in whatever fields they're in, whether it's a realtor, um, whether it's someone who's worked at a restaurant or owned a restaurant in the past, then getting as much information under your belt. Yeah. Right? Everyone's dealt with Wait, landlords. Everyone's dealt with marketing. How do, how do I market? You know, like marketing, you know, like different industries all have, there's all synergy, you know, right. along those things. So I think. Well, Very uh, important. Adam, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was yeah fun. good to talk to you. Good to yeah. meet you. Any final words, at, uh, Matt? No, I mean, it's just, it's it's refreshing, and I always love hearing about the stories of the small business owners building something unique with a strong culture. So congratulations. I appreciate that. it. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're trying. All of your Don't come visit us. Come visit us. Yeah. We'll be. Yeah. Come check out the pastrami. This yeah, weekend. What? You, you said pastrami. <laughs> I'm coming this weekend. What, what's the address before we, before we sign off? What's the address so our audience knows? And we'll plug it into the caption as well, but. Yeah, it's at 4025 Broadway. It's in, uh, used to be called the Boardwalk on Broadway. I mean, it's still kind of the Boardwalk, took the sign down. But it's Boardwalk on Broadway, right by Incarnate Word. Um, yeah, easy to find, easy to park, easy in, easy out. Uh, right off the Hildebrand exit on 281. Friends outside of San Antonio, if you're listening to that, make sure you stop by when you come visit me. And, uh, and that's it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you go back to the Spotify and iTunes. Hit the subscribe button on there. Follow us there. Vice versa, if you're look, if you're listening to this on uh, any of the audio platforms, make sure you go back to YouTube, watch the video segment of this podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Adam, again, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, Matt, thanks for being with us. Thanks, brother. Alrighty.